Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of um, Solace in the City. I'm the host, Zoe, and today I am so honored to be here with comedian and podcast host and fellow Love Island lover, Remy Casimir. Hey! Thank you so much for coming. I'm so excited to have you here. And um, I left the house watching Love Island <laughs> to be here. Apparently, there's an Australian version, which yes. just changes everything. It's on season two. I can't wait to ask you questions about that because... Near and dear. Yeah, near and dear. I even have like yeah. a water bottle and no one. Same. Yeah, with your name on it. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. My best friend got it for me, like my oldest friend for my birthday. Oh, really? And it's like completely changed how I drink water. Like I Same. used to never hydrate. And now I'm like, I'm on the island. I'm going to stay <laughs> hydrated. I'm going to like look chic as fuck. And like one person at my work has one and, and or she watches the show. So <laughs> if I like walk by, she like gives me a look. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, if you don't mind introducing yourself. Where are you from? How old are you? When's your birthday? Where'd you go to school? What'd you study? Um, my birthday is September 9th. I'm a Virgo. I just turned 30 this year. I'm from New York City. Um, I only left for college and then came right back, but I do intend to leave at some point. Um, what else? What were the other questions? Um, Who am I? Who yeah. am I? I'm a comic. I love it. And then I also started a podcast because I didn't know how to come. And now I do know how to come and it changed my life. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even get to that part. Okay. okay. So what brought you back to New York City after college? Like, being from the city, I feel like I never thought it was an option to go anywhere else. Like, have you mm-hmm. ever heard that saying that's like, everyone from New York thinks people who live other places have to be in some sense joking? No, but I get that. Did you, like, go to, like, one of the big schools here for high school? Uh, it was a hill school. It was, like, in the Bronx. But okay. it was one of the... New York Upper East Side private schools. Um, yeah. Did everyone kind of know everyone then? Like, yes. Yeah. Everybody knew each other. Everybody hooked up. I've been taking my boyfriend to like a lot of weddings and like I'll just have to like introduce him to everyone. I'm like, yeah, 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 he's from that school. He's from that. Yeah, we've all made out and like whatever. I went to boarding school, so I mean, I, I get it a little. It's a little Where, different. Did you go in Connecticut? Or? In Delaware. Delaware. It's the only boarding okay, school cool. in Delaware. Just It's where Dead Poet Society was filmed. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you came back to New York and did you always know you wanted to get into comedy? Yeah. I mean, so when I was like 14 is when I really started getting into it. I, um, do you remember Kazaa? It was like right okay. after Napster. It was like illegal downloading stuff. Okay. Yeah. And I would just download uh, comedy central half hour specials for whoever was like popular at the time or like just an up and coming comic. So like. Nick Swartzen, Maria Bamford, Pablo Francisco, Adam Ferrara. Like, I was obsessed with them. And I would just watch them over and over and over again. Um, I didn't really think it was an option for me to become a comic because I didn't Mm -hmm. see a ton of girls from similar backgrounds. And my parents were never telling me, like, oh, yeah, that's something you should be doing. Um, In fact, them and my friends would always be like, oh, that's weird. You know, like, I'd walk past comic strip. I'd be like, you guys want to go to a show? And they'd be like, no, stand-up's weird. Really? Yeah. So it wasn't until I was like 24 that I actually started stand up, and that was after like doing improv for a little bit. Okay. I started improv because I was like starting a business that I had to make a commercial for. So like, I I fell into it backwards, or like rather with like a bunch of excuses, being like, oh no, I don't want to perform. I just like need to do this for my company. Yeah. Or whatever. But then I really like did want to. You know, you have to like kind of come out as like performer. Yeah. Because there's this like audacity behind it that's like who would want to let who want to listen to me talk 
Yeah, and I guess if you don't have people in the circle already, you kind of are entering something that's foreign to most, I guess. Yeah. So There's not a ton of people that I grew up with that were in comedy. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody's parents. Um, Did you do it at school actors, at all? No. Okay. I really thought it was like any any trying to perform where they thought trying too hard or like thinking that you're special when it's like, who told you you were special? Got it. So it's kind of like the performing arts um, stereotype kind of encapsulates. You think that covers comedy as well? I don't know if like that makes sense, but going to Juilliard or something and like to become a dancer. Well, I don't think that encapsulates comedy. Like comedy is such a different thing. It's not even like, or it is a respected art form, but at the same time it can be really low brow. So it's not like no one's getting into com- to Juilliard for comedy. Yeah. I don't think. I can yeah, check. <laughs> but yeah, um, it just doesn't, it seems like the path where like you drop out of school and then you go on the road. Got it. And you try and, yeah. Did So did you take classes at, is it UCB? Yeah, I took classes okay. at UCB for improv, though, yeah. for stand-up. My roommate's boyfriend actually takes classes there, which That's is why great. I know of it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really fun. cool. I started at the, at the pit, which I thought was really fun, um, and then I couldn't get into level two at the pit, so I started over at UCB. And UCB is really great, but it's really structured. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's kind of like high school again, where everybody's got tabs on everybody else, um, whereas stand-up is, like, you can go and do your own thing and, like, it's also easier to schedule shows. Like when I was on an improv team, you'd have to call like 12 other people and be like, hey, can you do a show this month? They'd be like, ah, no, I can't. And like today, if somebody calls me, they're like, you want to do a show at nine? I'm like, yeah. Can I go up in the late half? Because I'm on another show at nine on the early half. And like, oh, yes. wow. Yeah. So did you, I guess when you started, did you kind of have a, I don't know, like a comedy type you wanted to use? Or like was, mm. like did you use um, your, did your bits kind of get, formed from personal experience or yeah how do you know what to say I guess because I don't oops I don't really know much about the comedy comedy world um my personal style I think I think everybody just goes about their life and like realizes what's funny about what's going on and then Mm -hmm. you just kind of like write that down it seems like most of what I write is about either relationships or my cat or like Harry Potter or like Mm something I do love observational stuff because I like things that can like universally relate to other people. So I, I would like to do less me specific stuff, but also sometimes the me specific stuff is just something that other people do in private as well. Yeah. Which is great. So they can relate to it. Yeah. Okay. So I actually spoke with another comedian, Francis Ellis. Yeah. Um, a couple (laughs) last week and he gave me some like really interesting insight into the New York comedy scene, mm-hmm. but I, I also obviously want to hear kind of what it's like from a woman's perspective and if you sure. feel like it's different at all or... Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, even growing up, I, I never thought, besides the fact that like family was telling me not to do it, like if you watched uh, documentaries about comedy, it was always about the boys club and like yeah. all male lineups with like maybe one female and like that still happens all the time, but it was also such a worry for me coming up that I was like, I don't want to just be in a guy's world. Like it's already so hard for me to speak up. Mm -hmm. Um, and if it's with people who don't get me or whatever, like how am I supposed to express my truest self? If like a bunch of people are like, ah, you're not funny, you know? Cause like that was kind of how I grew up with the guys in my school, at least were like their funniest things were just to shut people down. Yeah. And 
I wrote for that. Right, I didn't love that. And I, I didn't know I was funny for a really long time because people were telling me I wasn't. And then I just wasn't in front of the right audience or I wasn't given license even by myself to like explore topics that were actually like true to me. So yeah, I think comedy is very different for ladies. It's getting a lot better because there's Definitely. a lot more of us. Like one of my fears used to be like getting raped on the road, you know, like if you had to share a comedy condo with a guy or like mm -hmm. a bunch of guys or whatever, like that's something that could definitely go down and there's no HR in comedy. But I recently did a comedy festival in Newport and we had a comedy condo and it was like probably like 16 comics and it was like half and half. And one of the girls had just had her house burned down and she's like, you guys, just a fair warning, like I might scream, I have night terrors now because of the house burning down. Oh and God. I was like, oh my God, this is so much better than getting raped. <laughs> like there's like, some oh, girls thank God. Here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's definitely changing and like, I feel like the internet has been great too because there's, everybody's on the internet. Yeah. So like girls can share your stuff. Guys can share your stuff. People, their genuine opinions are out there and it's like very democratic. Like if you're funny, people, people like follow you, you yeah. and like your shit. And do you feel like shows like SNL or something kind of also have shown female comics in the leads like if you think of Tina Fey and yeah. like Amy Poehler yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. those are really I feel like they're my favorites yeah, I would say so them if you ask me favorite comedians you know like versus favorite stand-ups like yeah. Tina and Amy are, are legendary. unreal they're like a powerhouse duo that can like show you that like women don't need to compete they can just work together and make great shit yeah that's um, spot on yeah I also like grew up watching SNL before stand-up or anything like I'm a New Yorker you know you watch <laughs> SNL and like I was when I remember when Kristen Wiig got added to the cast my mom was like that woman stole your dance moves and I was like it's okay I've got more stuff and I just want to hang out with them at the oh, end of the day love her, love her. That's, that's great, though. But What about fucking uh, Kate McKinnon right now? She's yeah, like she's can do anything. everything. She can yeah. play every man yeah. in, in politics. She inspired me to do bald head okay. for Halloween. Yeah, because of the Elton her John Giuliani, the... I did RuPaul. Oh, yeah, I saw that, and mm -hmm. I saw the Elton John. With Elton the... John was very... I made myself very manly. <laughs> My boyfriend was not pleased, but he was impressed. That's so funny. <laughs> Um, so back when you kind of got into comedy in New York, mm -hmm. I guess, because something I was kind of curious was about, about was I was thinking like how... Do you want to start stand-up? No. Oh, okay. I'm so not funny. My, oh, okay. Literally my... It friends. doesn't matter though. Like if you have an ache to do it, and I'm saying this to everybody, yeah. if you have an ache, the barrier to entry is so fucking low. <laughs> All you have to do is go look at what mics are around you. If you're in New York, go on badslava.com or freemicsnyc.com. Find some mics, write some shit down that you think is funny. Go to the mic. Don't intend to go up. Watch people bomb their tits off. And then when you can't stand like, it, okay, then go that. up. That's actually exactly. not wrong. I was yeah. thinking about how my friend should be a stand-up comedian. He's pretty, he's pretty funny. I feel like I have but stories. You have to want to. That's there's yeah, a different I don't thing with being funny and wanting to be a stand-up comic. It's a different yeah. urge. It's a different insanity that makes you get on stage and like Bill Burr said it in something. He's like some of the funniest people I know are not stand-up comics. It's like the manager at the Foot Locker. Yeah, but it's the people that want to be comics. Like they'll eventually get good because they have the desire to keep doing it and they keep doing it and doing it over and over and over and yeah. making it perfect. That's fair. I, I don't think I want to be. I yeah. admire everyone who is, but I, I like interviewing people and learning about them. Good. 
So I mean, not good, but one less comic. Yeah, Woo-hoo. don't don't worry about me. But if you do want to be a comic, oh, we're happy to have you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so one thing I was kind of interested about was whether because I was thinking about how you know in New York or just in general anywhere, like thinking about kind of how men like cat call women or like say inappropriate things because that's like the culture we live in now. They do that in New York? <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> but I was, I was wondering if you ever thought that men kind of thought it was okay to say it to you because you already are like making comments about sex or something like that. So Like a stranger? Mm, I guess like for example, if you're... A, I'm not that famous yet. Okay. But just like someone in the audience, maybe like if it's a guy, and has have you ever has anyone no, said ever? Not really? really. No. Like I think. First of all, I don't think I come off as approachable on stage, <laughs> so I don't think anybody would want to like fuck with that. Um, but yeah, generally people are pretty respectful. There was one kid I thought was talking shit on me in the audience. I got really angry. And then it turned out he had just whispered to his girlfriend, she smells like weed. And I was like, oh, buddy, yeah, you're right. You're right. I do. I you're like, do you, like do what'd you, you say? What'd you say? No, I literally like, what did you say? Because his girlfriend like swatted him as if he like offended her. But she was just mad that he talked at all. <laughs> do you call people out in the audience? Yeah, because I'm curious. Oh. And also, usually the people around them can hear it. So if you ignore it, it's like, does she not know what's going on? Yeah. Do you, like, I mean, I'm just thinking of the times I've been to comic shows. Do you, like, target the people in the front row? Or do no. you, like, do you kind of no, no, no. survey the room? I prefer to not speak to anybody the entire... I will, because people like to feel engaged. So I'll say, have you guys ever do this? And make eye contact. But I'm not really. It's a rhetorical question. Yeah. Um, but I don't pick. Got Unless... It. Unless you see something. Well, there's one joke that I have built in that's, like, it's to make fun of a couple. But it's, it's not about that specific couple. Mm-hmm. It's just like, like anyone, anyone. Yeah. A lot of comics have things like that too. Like, so if you get called out and like called something like, I don't know, kind of something general, it's usually not about you. It's yeah. I just say, well, like the joke. Yeah. And that's kind of funny. I was thinking of a time that I was at a stand up show and this guy just like was calling out this couple or couple of mm-hmm. a woman and a man mm-hmm. together and went on and on. And then, was um, brother and sister. yeah, it was brother yeah. and sister. Always, always. <laughs> Um, so sometimes I mean, I'll be like, Oh, is that like your boyfriend? And it's like, no, it's my dad. And it's like, like, Oh, this is weird. <laughs> I guess, I mean, that's kind of reassuring to know that you don't feel like, I guess men can treat you in a different way because of comedy. I mean, they, I guess it depends on the person you are too. Like if, I don't know if yeah. someone's like super meek up on stage and I think, yeah, I also say that I have a boyfriend a lot, like, so people don't really hit on me or whatever. In conversations, I've found that people are just very open about themselves, their, like, themselves sexually because they know about my podcast mm-hmm. and shit. And, like, so, like, the first week that I came out with it, I'm like, oh, I can't come. And then, like, I went to one of my friend's shows and his mom came up to me. She's like, Remy, I can't come either. I'm on Kalanapin now. And I was like... Mrs. Da da da, like I, whoa, let's you know. talk. Yeah, let's talk. But also, like I'm, I'm a novice in this too. Okay. Well then, great. I actually, that's a good segue in because I want to take a quick pause and then talk about your podcast. Okay. Hi guys, it's me by myself. I just wanted to say something really quick before we get back to the episode with Remy. 
Um, if you work with me or are related to me, now's a good time for you to uh, listen to a different episode or go watch Netflix. So yeah, now enjoy the episode if you don't work with me or are not related to me. Bye. Okay, so now I'm kind of curious to hear about your podcast. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind just telling my listeners how what it, what it's about, yeah. how you started it, why you started it, etc. Yeah. Okay, so I started How Come because I have never had an orgasm. Never, not once, not with a person, not alone, never. How old are you? I was so pissed. I think the podcast launched when I was like 28, but mm-hmm. I've been thinking about it and planning it for a, a while before that. Okay. Um, actually, Francis, who was on your podcast, recorded one of my first episodes with me that I had to trash because... <laughs> I had like a breakdown after. Oh my gosh. And I was like, I can't do this. People are going to think I'm so fucking weird and broken and like think I'm different. And like, it's just a huge exposure of yourself because nobody had really been talking about not being able to come as mm-hmm. far as I could tell. Um, so yeah, I started the podcast in order to learn how to do so. Um, every episode I have a guest on, they tell me about their first time coming and then they had to give me an assignment that I would have to do for the next week hold me accountable, make sure I was doing it. Um, and yeah, then by week six, I did it. Blew my load, uh, (laughs) pretty early. And now the podcast has kind of shifted to like, what about other people's so-called problems or ways that they think they're sexually defunct or whatever, and actually just proving that you're not defunct and you're not different. And there's a lot of people out there in your situation probably. And so we've had like a bunch of different topics from like polyamory to like anal and you know, all the above that anything is ever, we're going to do foot fetishes this season. (laughs) Um, that's not even that like taboo anymore. I feel like everybody knows that people like feet at this point, but like, you know, anything that, like, because I thought I was, like, so fucking weird that I hadn't come, and the way that people would respond to me when I'd say that would be like, oh my god, I feel so bad for you, or like, are you sure? You know, yeah. they either assume you're dumb or, or wrong. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, the second I, like, put it out there, a bunch of people, like, even people in my life were like, yeah, me too. Like, yeah, because it's, I think the stats are, like, what, 80, only 8%? Of women can have orgasm from sex? Well, yeah. This, okay, that's the real stat. Because we're thinking sex is like intercourse, right? Yeah. Vaginal penetration. Mm-hmm. Only 8 to 25% of women can come from just penetration alone. The other amount of us need some kind of stimulation on the external clitoris, which is like, you know, yeah. the little bump you see. But what people don't know is what the clit looks like on the inside. Did you know about this? I feel like I listened to it in an episode, but... Maybe. Uh, so we just think it's like that little bump. That's the tip of the iceberg. It goes four inches back into your body. It goes around the vaginal opening. It kind of looks like a little cowboy sitting on a horse, like with his legs around like your little vaginal hole. Hmm. And the women who can come from just penetration, that 8 to 25%, the reason they can do that is because the little cowboy's legs are a little tighter around the hole. Okay. So it's actually... So it's still the same. It's... The, it's the dick is rubbing against the clit from the inside. Got so it. So it's actually the clit. It's not like a vaginal orgasm. It's still a clitoral orgasm, but the way that those structures are structured. Okay. Yeah. And that's why one of my friends can only come through anal because her clitoris, his legs go way back. 
you know? Oh, that's so interesting. So when guys are starting to think that they should be insecure about their dick size not being able to get a woman off, it's like, buddy, you you could have the biggest dick in the world, and if her clit is all bundled at the front, and or the legs are just, you know, out, like, it's not going to happen. It's not about you. It's about us. Yeah. It's literally the epitome of it's not you, it's me. Yeah. Literally. It's not you, it's how we are built. Um, so like women will still reach out to me and be like, but can you come from sex yet? And I'm like, no. And I probably won't be able to like, yeah, just like, I'll never be able to sneeze out of my asshole. You know, like it's just not how I'm built. Yeah. Did um, you, so I guess that kind of answers my second question, which is like, do you think it's more physiological or psychological? I mean, in some ways it's definitely physiological, but do you think it's at all psychological and like, yeah, people like getting be. in your head and getting, things like that? Getting to, yes. First of all, 100%. Getting to that point, you need to be relaxed. Like a lot of the girls, every um, season we have an episode called Congratulations at the end. And we have our listeners call in who have had their first orgasms because of the podcast or an orgasm in a new way or whatever. A lot of them have said that they think it was a mental block and they just smoked weed or drank wine or listened to music or did something or went to therapy. Yeah. To alleviate some kind of blockage on their brain. I thought it was a psychological thing for me at first. I thought, it, it, like, it must be. I'm 28. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've done sex every which way, I think. You know, I thought I would, had been trying everything and doing everything and really, like, given masturbation a go. I didn't know what I was doing, which is another problem. <laughs> it was just, like, there wasn't enough dialogue around female masturbation to begin yeah. with. But, um, yeah, psychologically, I was like, if I'm doing everything and nothing's wrong with me, then it must be in my head. I must be some, I have some weird sick fantasy that needs to get unlocked. And I'm kind of scared about what that is. Now, I was very lucky that my first orgasm was induced by a toy that didn't give me the option to stay in my head. I literally came immediately. It was like 30 seconds in. And then I was like squirting and crying. I went from like zero to hero, you know, in the coming department. Um, But yeah, especially with a person, another person being in your head can be horrible. Yeah. Cause you're like, like, what are they thinking? Yeah. Like, does he even like being down there? I've never come before. Why would I come now? This is torture for him and me. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I guess like whatever we can just be done and like yeah yeah that's true can you kind of have to think well i guess it depends on the type of person you are but for someone who's like thinking about your partner or Mm -hmm. like caring more maybe Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of women are like mentally inducted into thinking about the partner because especially like at the time that we grew up like we're only like six years apart let's Mm -hmm. say right so we learned sex ed at the same time we like generally same ideas i feel like we were learning that sex was something that guys liked and that women did for relationships and guys did relationships for sex yeah you know which is like so wrong some women love sex some guys love sex some guys love relationships some guys yeah hate relationships some women love relationships you know like some guys love relationships and hate sex what I've had a higher sex drive than both of my boyfriends, and I never expected that in my entire life. Yeah. Because every sitcom I was watching, it was like, the guy gets home, and he's like, she doesn't want to fuck again. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to be the best wife in the world. Yeah. You know? And it's like, people are different, and like, we have... So when women are having sex, it's usually like, I'm doing this to please him. And like, I definitely thought that way. I'd be like, I need to arch my back and like, look sexy or whatever. And like, 
How often are you arching your back when you actually come? Never. You tuck your back in, you tuck your butt in tiny, you get like a raise in, you squeeze your eyes, you look like the ugliest person in the entire world. Yeah. It's not going to be attractive to the other person, but it's going to be great. It's so interesting <laughs> though. Like I was just thinking how even, I mean, not that they teach us necessarily like sex ed, but whenever masturbation is portrayed for teenagers, mm-hmm. it's always like the guy with a sock on his door, mm-hmm. like what, looking at porn magazines, mm-hmm. like you never see women. Ever. The only time you see it is as a joke. Yeah. It's not like, like it's, I, the only time I can think of it is not another teen movie when she's using her dildo. Oh and yeah. And they come in and it like hits the ceiling or whatever. But even that is bad education for women because nobody's getting off with a dildo. dildo. Like, but getting off with a vibrator on top <laughs> or a suction toy or whatever. But yeah, it was always like guys need to get off. Yeah, this is so to, normal. This don't worry so about normal. it. Yeah. They get blue balls. If you don't help them with their blue balls, the, the world is over. Um, and I used to say, like, after health class, I'd be like, I'm so lucky I don't have a dick because I'd have a boner constantly because I could feel it. Like, because your clit is the same embryonic tissue as a dick. Yeah. Literally. When you're born or when you start becoming a little baby, it's the same nervous system. It's the same tissue that will eventually turn into a clit, will eventually turn into a dick. Oh, and so it's not even decided it's before sex is decided it's like that tissue oh got it okay yeah so uh whenever i talk about the sex toy that like i use which is like air pulse and like basically like a blow job for your clit oh okay so that makes sense i guess if it's the same tissue it's amazing it's out of this world you guys should all get one there's one at sweet vibrations you can get promo code uh how come for 15 percent off it's called the girl's best friend get it it's a little noisy but good to know actually i want to write that down <laughs> um so i guess do you incorporate your like kind of what do you talk about in your podcast with your comedy yeah definitely i mean i didn't used to um no that's not true i usually will talk about whatever is going on in my life okay um yeah i used to have a joke about not coming now i can't tell that joke anymore but i loved it <laughs> um but and i think People are surprised that I don't talk about it more because like, you have the podcast. Well, I just have. Yeah. And like my fans come expecting it to be an all sex show. And I'm like, no, we're going to talk about like TV and Harry Potter and like dumb shit and my parents. Because like I'm a more full person than just like my sex life. Yeah. Um, and I think after the shows, they come away appreciating that, too, because then it's like, oh, now we know more about Remy. Yeah. Okay, so I know you have places to go, and I don't want to waste too much of your time, so I'm just going to end with some kind of, like, deep, like, meta questions that I like to ask um, at the end of my episodes. So the first one is, what's one thing in your life life that's happened that's made you a stronger person today? Uh, This, honestly, like, I think how come is, like, the thing that's, like, really shaped me as, like, a person and an adult. Yeah. I feel like now that I know how to like speak up for myself, it's not just like sexually, it's like in my work life. And like, I really feel like I value myself now. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's like, I guess it kind of does tie into, even though you were doing stand up before, I mean, now it's like a different like way of expressing yourself. Yeah. Honestly, like stand up was amazing. It was a really great outlet. And the podcast combined with it taught me that like the best reaction you get is from being your honest, truest self. Mm-hmm. So now, yeah, that's like dipped back into the stand up, and yeah. Cool. Do you believe everything happens for a reason? 
I think I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think especially, like, timing-wise, like, when you miss out on stuff, and then, like, three years later, something happens, and you're like, oh, that's why it got delayed. Yeah. I yeah. definitely see, like, weird coincidences yeah. and things, and, I mean, I'm also, like, semi, not spiritual, but I, like, kind of wish I did. <laughs> I know. I think I'm the most pessimistic spiritual person. <laughs> Me too. Like, I'm, like, I'm pretty sure I believe that, like, I'm, you know, on this cosmic path, and that, like, astrology is real, and that, like, everything I'm saying, I believe. Yeah. And then I'm just like, nah, fucking everything is worthless. I don't know. <laughs> no, I I feel that I literally just got um, what are those called? Soda stream. No, the uh, things you like light up and um, at, uh, uh, like from India. I can't think of what they're called. What is it? That stuff right there. It's like um, oh my god, what do you what do you call the things you like light up at the end and then it incense. Me? Incense. Ah, yes. I'm trying to be like spiritual, but. Mm-hmm. I'm also a Virgo, so I'm too intense. Yeah, we're too rational to be like, I believe in God. And it's like, you know that's not real. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. Um, okay, this is, I guess, somewhat related, but if a crystal ball could tell you anything about yourself, your family, your future, or anything else, what would you most want to know? That is so crazy. Um, if anything. Is can I can I ask the crystal ball? Are he, people inherently good or bad? I guess yeah. That's not like a family thing, but a, or about personal, anything. But yeah, yeah. I'm always very curious about that. Like, can we? It's like the Hobbes lock debate. You know, like are people inherently good, good or are they? You know, like is this a uphill battle that we're trying to do with solving the world? Do you think or so? We just is let that us like people die? are? all good or I or all bad or no. some people are good all good some people are all bad are people at their core more positively or negatively charged oh okay and would they yeah could they be swayed or yeah maybe some people are just bad and some people are just good yeah I don't know do you like I think, think there's more nuance than that yeah I'd hope yeah as a comedian what do you think if anything is too serious to be joked about Ooh, I don't like using other people's words. I don't like other people's slurs. I know that some comics think it's like really valuable to be able to use, but I think it's not, if it's not a word about your group, mm-hmm. stay away from it. It's not uh, cute to me. And like, you can like with comics, I'm like, you're so fucking smart and you're choosing to do this. You're yeah. choosing to rattle. I don't like that. Um, it also makes it less relatable, I guess. I don't know. I mean, to think? some people who are really racist or homophobic, they really like that. And True. it's extremely relatable. And that's why it makes them the controversial comics, the big bucks. Because they're like, oh, he's saying it. Um, what do I think is... I don't think there's anything that's that's definitely off limits. Yeah. It depends on the person. It depends their experience. It depends if the joke is funny enough. Sometimes the joke can trump it because it's so funny and the attention behind it isn't malicious. Yep. I, I agree with that. Like, yeah. kind of, you have to create. If you're going to kind of... If you're making a joke about killing babies or whatever, let's say that's the thing that offends you, then at the heart of the joke, it has to be killing babies are, is wrong. Yeah. But here's the funny thing about it. Got it. Yeah. And it's got to be well executed. Yeah. I also think it's it's difficult because sometimes you assume that your audience is smarter than they are. Mm-hmm. And 
somebody makes a rape joke or whatever, I would hope the audience is smart enough to know that if somebody made a rape joke, that doesn't mean we condone rape. Yeah. You know, don't go out and rape people. Like I said, you know how it's like, oh, you must be this tall to ride this ride. Like you must be this smart to come into this comedy show or listen to this podcast. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess so it depends kind of on where you're performing. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it is, there's a lot of nuance. Yeah, for sure. What do you love most about yourself? Um, ooh. I love how funny I am. Yay. I think, good. (laughs) yeah, I think, uh, I have excellent taste in TV shows and movies. Like what's a TV show besides (laughs) SNL and a movie? Besides Love Island. Yeah. Oh. Um, get into that. <laughs> I love Grease too. It's not a well liked film, but really? I see the. I don't think I've ever seen it, or maybe the I beauty in it. Grease too. Yeah, is it, it on is like so fucking HBO or anything? Bad and good, and it's an '80s movie that is set in the '60s, but they didn't try so hard. So like all the '80s outfits or all the '60s outfits like look really '80s, and they yeah. like, didn't cha- change Michelle Pfeiffer's hair. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, and I really like that I've helped so many people. Like, that wasn't an intentional thing. I literally started the podcast as, like, a selfish thing. I was like, I just want to come. And now, like, upwards of 400 women around the world have had their first orgasms because of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So I think that's pretty cool about me. Definitely. And I've, <laughs> It's funny because, like, I've asked this to people and they just don't know what to say. Mm. And it's interesting after, you know, people go on and on about these things they've accomplished and all these interesting facts about themselves and then they can't even think of one thing they love right and i just it makes i mean granted if that question were thrown at me i don't i would like need a moment but it's i thought that was interesting well yeah i i usually would be like i don't know but i've really been trying to like work on valuing myself yeah exactly like you preface it with oh who else is going to right yeah you have to love yourself first yeah okay my final question is how do you find solace in the city what brings you peace here? My boyfriend, my cat, weed, and my sister. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Love and Island. the comedy community. And Love Island and great TV. Like, any mindless TV where I could, like, oh, the episode I left to do this podcast <laughs> is so cute. And I'm actually really happy that I left in the middle because then I get the joy of soaking it up. Yeah. And this was fun. But also, <laughs> like, it is so cute. I love watching other people be in love. Yeah, me too. And especially with other people that I love and just being like, oh, and then I love cute little animals and babies and I'm going to go see a baby today. Oh, it's awesome. near and dear to our family. So yeah, this is going to be a really exciting week. Awesome. (laughs) Okay, so Remy, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here. Um, Where can everyone follow you, listen to you? Mm -hmm. Um, Your special is on... Netflix, plug that. I don't have a special. Like it's I'm featured. on the show Explained on Netflix, okay. um, which is a great show. It's a docu-series show. Every episode explains something in our world that everyone knows about but doesn't really understand. So it's like 30 minutes on the stock market or K-pop or my episode was the female orgasm. Um, so you can check that out on Netflix, Explained. Um, I am always at Bacon Bits at The Stand. It's my weekly comedy show every Sunday, 3 o'clock. Um, you get free bacon. It's a brunch show, so you can order a full brunch menu. There are $20 mimosa and Campari specials, so you can get wasted. 
I think we're adding oyster shots to it because my boyfriend insisted upon it. Um, and yeah, if you want to see my other shows, go to RemyCasimir.com or my Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, which is Remy Casimir. And how come the podcast is spelled C-U-M. It's on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. Uh, I think it might be on Google Play too. And We Really Love Island, about that reality show that we know and love. That's on all those platforms as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.